0: Thank you for joining the Georgia Chamber Podcast. For 105 years, we have been the leading voice of business in the state of Georgia. Through these podcasts, we want to help you better understand the issues facing our state and how your business can grow and prosper. Thanks for joining us. To learn more, go to www.gachamber.com.
1: Well I'm Chris Clark, President and CEO of the Georgia Chamber of Commerce. I want to thank you for joining us for our resource and recovery update this week. I know our prayers are with our friends and families and healthcare workers out there on the front line protecting our health and safety, but I also want us to focus on the economic well-being of the state of Georgia and the resources that are available to you. We're going to have a great conversation today, but I want to start by thanking our friends at Georgia Public Broadcast. And our friends at the Georgia Hispanic Chamber for joining members from around the state today, small businesses and large companies alike. Uh, we're joined today by the Atlanta Federal Reserve President Rafael Bastick, as well as the regional Southeast Regional Administrator for the Small Business Administration, Ashley Bell. Both of these guys are on the front line of the fight to save business and to help our economy recover as we struggle through this pandemic uh, and worsening economic outlook. So we're going to hear from both of them today. And I know immediately many of you are asking about the, the issue currently with the SBA loans and the PPP running out today. We want you to know that we've been in contact with our congressional delegation and our partners in Washington to advocate and will continue to lobby. And we feel certain that those dollars will be reauthorized and come back through to help Georgia small businesses. Uh, and we'll keep you updated as we move through that process. You can follow us on our social media page or you can visit gachamber.com slash COVID-19 for our full resource with all the information from the Federal Reserve, as well as from the SBA and all of the other partners, providing resources for you every single day. And so uh, we're gonna start uh, and welcome the uh, Atlanta Federal Reserve President Rafael Bostic, our good friend who is really, the Federal Reserve has taken an incredible role in this economic recovery. Unprecedented measures, I think is the most commonly heard term uh, around the country right now for the work that they're doing. And Rafael, we appreciate you and really look forward to learning a little bit more, particularly about the new Main Street facility that you're launching. Uh, So please tell us a little bit more about what the Federal Reserve is doing to help Georgia's economy and the country's economy.
0: Well, thank you, Chris. And hello, everyone. It's good to to be able to talk to you and give you a, a sense of what's going on with the economy and some of the things that we've been doing at the Federal Reserve. I wanted to just start by acknowledging that the numbers that we're seeing today and through the last couple of weeks have been sobering. Uh, more than 700,000 jobs lost, unemployment claims well north of 5 million for three weeks in a row, uh, lots of loss of cash flow and difficulty across the board from all the companies that we're talking about are unprecedented and you know, the 700,000 job loss, that was the depth of the, the crisis and the great recession and we saw that just last month and there's more to come. The, mo- the most important thing to keep in mind though is that, that the weakness uh, that it, in this instance is not being caused by usual circumstances. Usually when we get economic slowdowns it's because uh, so there have been sort of risk taking that has not translated, that has not borne out and that risk taking leads to losses and then we get contraction that way. That's not what's happened here. This is a public health problem and until the public health issue gets solved, uh, we are, we're gonna have to continue to impose the public health solution, which is to do the social distancing and slow down. So for us at the Fed, and for me in terms of how I think about it, it's really been about like, how do we uh, bridge uh, the economy and society really from where we were just before the, the virus uh, came to our shores to make sure that as we get to that end point where it's being managed, uh, we're as close as possible to that initial point. And the real reason is before the, the virus came, the economy was growing. It was, there was lots of job growth, companies were, uh, were being successful and being healthy, business models were working. We had this exogenous shock, uh, the virus coming in here. And so the losses that we're seeing are not because people were not prudent or made poor decisions, it's really because something unprecedented has happened. So if we can bridge that and get to the other side, keeping the previous fundamentals in place, I have every confidence that we can see the economy rebound in a brus- in a brusque way, in a very stable way. So what have we been trying to do? Uh, at the Fed? one of the first things we w- wanted to make sure is that basic ways that businesses and investors and, and households g- got cash continue to function. So many of the facilities that we have put in place, many of the actions we've put in place, have really been designed to keep treasury markets functioning, to keep mortgage markets functioning, to keep corporate debt markets functioning, so that the transactions and the activities in those spaces all stay pretty much close to where they were before. And what's happened for those facilities that have been put in place has been, I think, quite positive. The the risk premia, the spreads that have been uh, related, associated with those transactions have narrowed, getting us much closer to a more normal stance. But what we know is that there's much more to the economy than just those things. So, as we've put certain things in place, we've continued to look and monitor to see where there are stresses and to see where things are not working as well as they might. Some obvious places that have come up uh, government funding. So, we've seen, uh, we've issued a facility uh, to buy municipal bonds and supported uh, the money market mutual funds, the overnight money market funds, that are places where short term government debt is funded certainly with uh, corporations and businesses. Uh, you heard Chris talk earlier about uh, the uh, Paycheck Protection Program. That's really designed to help create that bridge for small businesses, businesses smaller than 500 employees. I'm sure Ashley later will be talking a little bit about that. Uh, the Fed also announced that we're gonna provide some uh, lending facilities for uh, larger businesses, those medium-sized businesses just above the SBA limit. Uh, we've called out the Main Street Lending Program. And uh, we just announced earlier, I guess, earlier last week, uh, a couple of term sheets, uh, really trying to des- describe the things that are there. I wanted to call out two other aspects where, where the Federal Reserve is really trying to help create bridges for businesses and for families. One is that, you know, we're a bank regulator and we are talking to all of our banks uh, to tell and encouraging them to very strongly engage with their customers try to find ways to work out different approaches to, to debt, maybe forbearance, maybe a forgiveness of, of interest or principal for some period of time and, and do those restructurings so that businesses and families uh, have, are, are dealing with and facing the least amount of stress in this very stressful time. Um, and then the other thing I would say is there are some basic operations that we do that are also facilitating some of our management through this crisis. One is that uh, all dollars, bills that are in circulation um, come through a Federal Reserve facility. And as this uh, episode has, has proceeded, uh, we've seen an increase in demand for cash in a 25% range. So my staff is working extra hard to make, those, make sure that the staff, that cash is getting out so that when people go to their banks and go to the ATMs, there's cash available there. And then the last thing I would say is um, the, the checks that have gone out fairly recently, those checks to families, those are all being done mainly through uh, ACH or a direct deposit vehicle. And that's something that is run for the country by folks here in Atlanta and the Atlanta Fed. So we've been working overtime to make sure that those payments go through. Uh, they will go through in waves, some through ACH and some through, through checks. And we're gonna make sure that they get to families as soon as we possibly can so that they can use those monies uh, to continue to meet the obligations that they're facing on a daily basis. So we're super active, there's a lot going on, and, um, and I'm really pleased that we are being so aggressive and, and front forward in our policies, because it's that kind of response that will minimize the, the collateral damage that happens and, and hopefully minimize the amount of temporary disruption that leads to permanent uh, pain. And so we can prevent things from getting permanent, and um, being permanent uh, when we get out of this recovery, I think that recovery will be more robust. So thank you, Chris.
1: Thank you, Ravel. That's great insight information. I wanna unpack a couple of the areas that you, you mentioned there because I do think it's worth a little deeper dive. Can you describe a little bit more in detail about the main street facility and what size businesses and how those businesses get access to those resources?
0: So we have designed the Main Street, uh, a lending program facility really to focus on businesses above the SBA limit so that would be some, uh, more than 500 employees up to about uh, ten thousand employees and to businesses up to i think two billion dollars in revenue is kind of the range that we're talking about so it's that fat middle of of businesses that's just above that small business limit uh, there are two there are two types of, faci- of lending that we're going to support one is basically just new lending So for businesses that find that they uh, don't have enough uh, support in terms of being able to raise funds through loans, uh, we're gonna allow for the the provision of new loans to businesses. But another one is to provide an opportunity for banks, for businesses that have relationship with bank institutions to increase their loans and expand existing loans as well. So we're trying to be as open and, and as broad based in the ways that that businesses can get lending from banks uh, moving forward. Uh, the, you asked about how this is going to work. It's going to work through banking institutions. Uh, those are the institutions that we have relationships with. But I would tell you, um, you know, I uh, folks call me all the time. And one of the things that one group that's calling me on a regular basis are uh, non-bank institutions who have lending relationships. Is you know some of the fintech firms. And we're going to try to find ways to incorporate them as well, as well as uh, organizations like community development financial institutions and others that have really specialized relationships with different segments of our communities. We want to make sure that these funds are available to as many institutions and organizations as possible.
1: That's great. That's some really good insight. Another facility that you mentioned was the work to help support local government. And I know we're mainly talking about business today, but business and government work in partnership. Uh, A report today said that Georgia and its localities could see over a billion dollar hit uh, to their sales tax revenues here in the next few months. I know the university system has talked about a loss of almost $350 So tell us a little bit, explain to us a little bit more about how the Fed is going to support those local state governments and maybe even those educational institutions that are in the state.
0: So right now, we've announced a facility that allows for um, the Fed to buy municipal bonds that are issued by states, by large counties, and by large cities. And uh, we're really going to take as much as, as is necessary, uh, as much as is asked for, to try to make sure that those institutions, those public institutions, continue to provide services. You know, Chris, as you mentioned, one of the things that is that is true is that when we contract the amount of activity and economic activity that's a big hit to all the sales and other types of taxes that might be accrued by government and that's a big impairment in terms of what they can do in terms of providing services so what we've tried to do is really make sure and send a message i think uh, hopefully a a stark message that we're going to be out there to support those activities to make sure that this contraction uh, does not really hamper the types of things that need to happen. You know, for example, you know, I talk, I talked about mortgage markets earlier. Well, a lot of, in a lot of places, you can't close a sale without talking to local people in government who are going to do the title or the listing or the registering of, of the transaction. So we want to make sure those cities and localities still have people in place that can do those things, so that we can continue to operate uh, and keep the economy sort of rolling along um, and, and functioning as we try to manage this public health problem.
1: That's great. Before we turn to Ashley, I want to ask you one more question. And I know there's lots of speculation right now and debate among economists, if we're in a recession or going in a recession, is that a U, a V, a W, an L-shaped recession? And I don't want to put you on the spot for, to make a prediction, but I, I would be interested in knowing when will we be able to determine what, that, I mean, what are the markers that you're looking for in the economy to be able to make that decision that, yes, this is what the prolonged economic outlook is going to be?
0: Well, you know, it's funny that you ask the question that way, because I would say I'm actually not looking at the economy for those answers. I'm really looking at uh, the public health response and how we manage that, because right now we have this issue because we need to deal with the fact that we have a virus that's flowing through our, our communities. And to deal with that, we need to separate and and take actions to slow those things down. As long as the virus continues to spread, we will continue to need to separate and be slower than we might otherwise. So finding that solution and getting us to a place where uh, where we have some confidence that if you go to a grocery store or if you go to a ball game or if you go to your place of work, uh, you're not putting yourself at risk of, of contracting that virus. When we get to that point, uh, and that will likely involve a lot of testing and a lot of new processes and and and, uh strategies that are going to be put in place when we get to that place then the economy will start moving again but as long as people have some concern that if they go do the things that they've normally been doing they're going to get sick or they may uh, pass on their sickness to somebody else i think we're going to have a hard time so i'm just hopeful that as we go through this uh day to day week to week people remain diligent in uh following the the guidance that's being offered by our public health professionals, because to my mind, that's the the best way that we can uh, quickly get this managed so that we can turn to the other side and think about growth and recovery.
1: Thank you, sir. We appreciate it, and we appreciate your leadership through this very difficult time, and we'll continue to to check in with you. Uh, We want to shift our attention now to our good friend, the Regional Administrator, Ashley Bell. Ashley, thank you. I know you guys have been working overtime here in the last couple of weeks. And i love for an update from you about the number of Georgia companies that you've been able to help and kind of what's the state of play as we sit here today.
2: Well, thank you, Chris. I think this is again just a, a great opportunity to share information and show, you know, just shows great value to what your chamber brings to small businesses and all businesses in our state. Thank you for your leadership and allowing me to be here once again, and we'll continue to be here as this as we all go along this journey together. Yes, SBA has been working, you know, all day, all night on this, but so has a lot. So have a lot of people, you know, outside of our first responders. Uh, the folks on the economic side have been doing a tremendous job. We've already talked to our friends at the Fed. But I I have to give just a a quick moment of praise to our lenders. We would not be able to be talking today about uh, any progress with any of the programs we've been doing, especially PPP, without a tremendous lift by our community bankers, by our large bankers, by our credit unions, by the fintech industry. Uh, They have really stepped up to the challenge. and, and, And because of that, today, as we see the PPP program come to a close, this version of it today, because of the exhaustion of funds. We're proud to be able to say that 30,000 Georgia businesses, uh, including nonprofits and places of worship, uh, have benefited from this program to a tune of $7 billion being put back into the Georgia economy in a span of 14 days. The amount of loans that SBA has processed in the last 14 days is more than we processed in the last 14 years. This has been a tremendous lift at all sides. So where do we go from here? And I think that's you know a great question. You know, Chris, as we talk about an overview of these programs. Now, the IDLE program, which is is a disaster program, is also closed to new applicants at this time. And I think it speaks directly to your comment when you started uh, the program today. Is that you know we've had conversations with members of Congress. Um, Congress has to step up to the plate here and recognize that there is a tremendous need still in this country for additional help. Our concern still lies with those businesses who were not able to participate before uh, the funds were exhausted. But we are confident that if Congress finds a solution and the White House and our administration uh, are able to come to an agreement on what that solution should be, then we know exactly where we need to focus after this. And I think the, the key is that there's a lot of businesses, especially our sole proprietors, our independent contractors, um, especially in, in the beauty salon and barber shop sort of uh, retail spaces, they're still unable to gain access. And we have some challenges, but we're positively thinking that as soon as we get the funds back and we increase the number of lenders, that we should be able to overcome this challenge.
1: So, Ashley, let's let's pretend that I'm a business and I've, I've, I've got into the system. I filled out my application, right? A day ago, and my bank informed me that the funds aren't there. What's next for me? And I know I'm on hold right now until there's a reauthorization. Right. Do I right. Just run over, or does my, do I just continue through the process? Help me understand.
2: Well, if you are in the queue for the PPP program, that means your bank has captured your information. And should the PPP program be reauthorized, your bank would be in a position to quickly move on your application because you've already submitted. Now, for the disaster program, which is a loan that's directly uh, through SBA, this is up to two million dollar loan uh, that still has the ability to, for you to have a forgivable advance portion of that. I'm um, proud to report there that we've, you know, we've already uh, done over almost two point five billion dollars on that side, and we still have some room to still process. And what that means is that if your loan is still pending with our disaster program nothing stops with us we're going to continue to process all applications that are with sba if you're currently in the system and you have a number we will continue to process those loans if congress reauthorizes and gives us additional funds then we'll open up and we'll continue to process new loans but the key with this disaster program and it's been a tremendous asset because it was online before the ppp got to give a lot of thanks to governor kemp for acting very fast and making sure that georgia was declared very early that has allowed us to make sure georgia uh, entrepreneurs that are that are in the queue, you're going to be taken care of. It's a matter of now that we've got our arms around and we know exactly how many people are in the system, now we can begin to process these applications.
1: And I want to echo your support and thanks to Governor Kemp, not just on that declaration, but the way he's managed this entire crisis has been really uh, a great blessing for the state. So for some companies that already have the PPP, let's talk about that for a minute, because there's a lot of questions. So I went through the process, I've got the, the, the payroll, the paycheck protection, but now I'm looking at that's not enough to, to keep me going. Can I furlough, can I keep that paycheck protection loan and furlough employees, or must I keep those employees on board in order to, to continue to keep that loan? Or Are there other resources I should be looking at?
2: That's a great question, Chris. And we have to remember that the purpose of the legislation now speaks to uh, what you've talked about and what our friends at the Fed have talked about earlier. We have massive unemployment. I think it was just said that we've had 5 million cases of, of unemployed people week after week, which is a, is a record. That is what the, this legislation is meant to stem, is to, um, as we all are trying to flatten the curve with the public health crisis with the coronavirus and make sure we have less cases uh, every day, that is the same thing we're doing with unemployment. We're trying to flatten the curve as it comes to unemployment claims every week. And how do you do that? You make sure that you have a system in which people are able to uh, quickly come back online. Uh, come come back online, meaning that they are being employed, that taxes are being taken out of their check, that they have a paycheck coming in, whether or not their business is open or closed. So, because of that uh, impetus behind the law. If you have been giving a a loan through the PPP program, those funds have to be used to employ people. If you furlough people and you keep that money, you will forfeit the ability for that entire loan to be forgiven. Let's give a quick example. If you took out a $100,000 loan, $75,000 of that has to go towards employees. 25,000 could be used for other things. Here's the key. It does not mean you can't let people go for cause. If you do let people go for cause, you can replace them with someone else. You can fluctuate salary some, but here's the, the, the marker. You cannot break 25%. You cannot lower someone's salary below, below 25%. So you do have some flexibility, but if you go below 25%, then that portion, that differential will become a loan.
1: Right, but if I'm using the, the regular, the idle, the emergency, economic emergency loan, those same requirements don't apply, right? So if a, they we'd have to go in and say furlough employees, maybe the SBA disaster loan is a better tool for them.
2: Absolutely. If you're looking at having to furlough employees and you still want these resources to sustain your business, your nonprofit or your church, the idle loan is the better option for you. You can't use both loans. You just can't use them for the same thing. So if you know that you want to furlough employees, then you don't want to use the PPP. Got it. Use the idle. You can use that for working capital, generally speaking.
1: Okay. Let me ask you one more question. I want to go back to Rafael and ask him the, the same question uh, as we wrap up today. Uh, what advice do you have right now for Georgia businesses uh, over the next three to six weeks of this crisis? What would you advise them to do? And let's assume, Ashley, that, that Congress does act here in the next few days and reauthorizes those funds.
2: Well, I would advise them to stay tuned to places like the Georgia Chamber. What I have, you know, last three or four days been feverishly trying to bang the drums about uh, people joining the PPP program before it ran out of funds. Uh, Every call I was on, every webinar, there are people who just did not know. Information will save your business. Getting access to credible and accurate information will save your business. And that's why these sort of webinars are, are worth 10 times more the membership costs, because you can come on and hear people, hear from directly from people who know what these programs uh, can mean to your your business. So the key for every business owner right now, get the channels of information you trust, be very aware and astute, because as you can see, we just spent $349 billion in 14 days. So you don't have a lot of time to waste. When this program is reauthorized, you wanna make sure you act quickly and prudently
0: to the best interest of your business. And, thank you,
1: um ashley, and I, thank you for what you're doing Raphael. Yeah, you... i
0: would totally agree with ashley being informed is the most important thing but the second most important thing is then to act don't sit and think that you're going to be outside of eligibility go talk to your banker talk to your chamber people talk to your elected officials talk to those who are, who are running organizations and agencies i've not talked to anyone who has touched who has access or or controls capital or funds who is not looking to try to find ways to be helpful and keep everyone moving forward and bridged through this crisis. So ask questions, don't be bashful, don't be shy, continue to be out there, but also understand the scale of this is significant. So if you don't get through on the first call, don't give up. If you don't get through on the sixth call, don't give up because there are millions and millions of companies that are trying to do exactly the same thing. Don't take that being busy, uh, that busy signal as a sign that, this hope that is, there's no hope because I think both of us are on here to tell you that we're gonna do whatever we can to make sure that you and every business in this country is uh, made as whole as possible.
1: Raphael, Ashley, on behalf of the Georgia business community, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for your leadership. We'll check back in with you periodically through this crisis, and then as we come into the recovery, we know you're going to play an important role there, too. Uh, for all of those that are watching, you can go to gachamber.com COVID-19 for the latest updates. We'll have information from SBA uh, as well as from the Fed and other partners. We'll continue to lobby on your behalf. And you can uh, click through right now to our website and register for our next conference uh, video conference call, which will be with Attorney General Chris Carr next Tuesday. Later next week, we'll also have an event with uh, our friends from USDA and Commissioner Gary Black to talk about the impact on rural Georgia. So please stay up to date. Please stay with us. And may God continue to bless our state. Thank you very much.